Why don't you turn to Ezekiel 33. On this hot Sunday morning, I've got a splash of cold water, a reminder, uh, a sermon just as a reminder. This isn't gonna be new or earth shattering, groundbreaking uh, you know, information, but it's a reminder. If you're a Bible student, you'll find that the Bible is uh, sometimes what we might say repetitive. But they say repetition is the mother of all learning. And I have found that the rep- repetition in the Bible is, is really timely. Uh, they're just good, solid reminders from time to time of things that we should be thinking about, concerned about, even though we've heard them before maybe. Uh, this is one of those passages that even if you've been fairly new to Christianity, this may not be that unusual of a, of a theme or a, a topic, but it's right here in our story. It's right where we're going through the Bible. So where we're at in the Bible is where we're at on Sunday and in our lives. So it's Ezekiel 33, and we're gonna read verse 31. Ezekiel 33, 31. It says there, and they, that's the people, come unto thee, that's Ezekiel the prophet, as the people cometh. And they sit before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. Oh boy. Oldest human nature problem from ancient times that we can do a good job of showing up and listening but not doing that which the Lord has called us to do. <laughs> it's a tricky one. I, I think my favorite story, I've shared this before, but I, I love the story of a young pastor who went into a logging town up in the mountains and he was, it was his new pastor. He had a little white church in the little town there in the woods. Um, and he was all excited and he was preparing his first sermon when he was sitting out by the river where the logs were thrown into the river and then floated down to where they would go to the mill, you know, to be made into lumber. Um, but he noticed some of the guys out there, you know, um, cutting the ends of the, the logs would float by and they'd cut the end of the logs off and then they'd just send them back down the river. And he asked this lady in town, why are those guys cutting the ends of the logs off and what are they doing? Well, she said, well, you shouldn't know this pastor, but they're, the, the, the town up, up above, what they do is they put their brand on the end of the log so that when it gets to the mill, they get credited for those logs. So those guys are down there cutting the ends of the logs off and putting their brand on it. And the pastor, oh, first sermon is gonna be on thou shalt not steal. So he prepared the sermon of his life and, and preached his heart out on Sunday morning and man, all the loggers and all of you, oh, praise the Lord, pastor, good word. Oh, really got to us. And he felt so good. He went out there Monday morning and sure enough, he couldn't believe it. They were out sawing the ends of the logs off again and branding, branding them with their own brand. Oh, so he said, I'm gonna preach the exact same sermon next Sunday. And he did. Thou shalt not steal. That was the, the title of it. Like it doesn't get more clear. And again, oh, great sermon, pastor. But the people went right out the next week again, sawing the logs off, putting their brand on it. And finally, the pastor in desperation entitled his sermon the third week. He said, thou shalt not cut other people's ends of their logs off. <laughs> and they ran him out of town. <laughs> that, that's the human nature. You know, we can sit smiling and listening to the word of God, but that's what these people are doing. The King James says, man, my people, they sit before thee, that's Ezekiel who's giving the word of the Lord. And it says, they hear thy words, but they will not do them. And they had this appearance of being, 
Oh, this is crazy, loving. Do you see that? Uh, for with, uh, it says, um, my people, they will not hear thy, or do the words, but with their mouth, they show much love. Oh, good word, Ezekiel, love you, man. Hey, bro. But then afterward, they go out and do stuff that's evil. Um, the New International Version puts it this way. If you have an NIV, my people come to you as they usually do. That, <laughs> that's embarrassing that it's a usual thing for people. And they sit before you to listen to your words, but they do not put them into practice. With their mouths, they express devotion, but with their hearts, they're greedy for unjust gain. Um, this is a reminder, that age old reminder that we should be doers of the word and not hearers only. Now with that notion, there's a real danger in this behavior. How dangerous is it? Well, that's point number one. If you're jotting down notes, you can maybe scribble these down and help you remember some of these things. You know, the danger of being a, a hearer only and not a doer, well, just ask the people of Ezekiel's time. Where does this get them? What happens to these people who are sitting around, oh yeah, good word, Ezekiel, right on, bro. What happened to them, anybody? Anybody? Do I have to go to Ezekiel chapter one all over again? They got crushed. These people got destroyed. These people either died in the hills of the West Bank of Jerusalem there, or they were taken off into captivity by the Babylonians. These people, because they refused to hear the word of the Lord, there was a real danger. They ended up getting crushed by the Babylonians because they would not hear the word of the Lord. Is there a danger to you and me if we are hearers only and not doers of the word, is there a danger? Well, the word is absolutely yes. Jesus in the New Testament, Jesus who is God in the flesh, he had something to say about this. And I love this little story. I remember even as a little kid loving it because it was such a mental image that, I, that, that Jesus paints for us here about the person who will hear the word but not do the word. And it comes from Matthew chapter seven. In fact, you can keep your finger here in Ezekiel and flip on over to Matthew chapter seven, where Jesus is addressing this very issue. By the way, this issue is all throughout the scriptures. It's not just here and there. The idea of being a hearer only and not a doer is warned about, cautioned against over and over and over in the scriptures. But here in Matthew chapter seven, verse 24, Jesus uh, starts this little story or you know, an analogy really and he says in Matthew 7, 24, he says, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, that's the word of the Lord, Jesus, they hear the sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him to a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the whole, uh, the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. It came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine or his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes, the scribes were some of the religious dudes of the day. The Pharisees, scribes, the Sadducees, they were all known for being religious. But when Jesus spoke, which I love this because he's not saying anything, you know, E equals MC squared. Like he's not saying intellectually crazy stuff. He's just saying, man, you build your house on a rock, it's gonna last. Build your house on the sand, it's gonna go down. Like this is like even your average, you know, 
you know, village idiot would be like, oh yeah, I get that. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand what Jesus is saying, but it's powerful and it's still really true. Don't you love that about Jesus? Simple, but powerful. And the people were astonished. Wow, he teaches with simplicity, but it's profound. But he's saying this, he's saying, man, if you hear, hear my words and do them, you're on the rock. But if you hear my words and you blow it off, you built your house on the sand. Did you guys see last week in Florida, that giant apartment building that crushed? Oh, it's horrible. If you don't watch the news, uh, it's just horrifying. Right now, it's been several days. They've, there's four confirmed dead, 159 people still missing. Like it's a horrible, horrible situation. And you know, it's interesting, the building people, code people from Florida there, came and were inspecting that building a few years ago and they, they observed that the building was sinking. Uh, over there in Florida, by the way, you better build on a sure foundation because you're pretty much sea level. Uh, you got a lot of sand and sinking swampy stuff in Florida, but this, this building sank two centimeters every year since two, the year 2000. Um, if you think about that, it sank about this much, like a huge building sinking this much, that's not a good thing. And so what happened in the middle of the night while everybody was sleeping, the building just crumbled like almost 9-11 style, horrible, horrible deal. That imagery, when I was reading this, I was thinking, oh man, the, the wise man builds his house upon a rock, but the foolish man who's not he doing the word, he hears the word, but doesn't do the word, he's, he's living in a real dangerous situation. The danger is, is not just to the Jews in Ezekiel's day, but it's to you and me in the age of the church. It's there as well. Jesus made that clear here in Matthew 7, 24 through 29. Now, wait. One of the things Jesus starts his little dissertation off with the word, therefore. Did you see that? Right here in our verse, he says, therefore. Now, whenever you see the word, therefore, what are you supposed to do? Ask why it's therefore. Uh, What's it there for? Um, And and that means whatever said before is connected to what Jesus was saying. So Jesus makes this little story about building your house on the rock and not on the sand. And and, and it's therefore, what's he saying? Well, this is where it gets scary. Talk about dangerous, check this out. In verse 21, he says, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. That's to do what the word says, the doer. Many, verse 22, will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Man, does this scare anybody? When you read this, you're like, oh man. Am I gonna be one of those people that say, Lord, Lord, didn't we go to Athey Creek on that blistering hot sunny day? 115 degrees. Um, Lord, Lord, didn't we sing praise songs? I mean, maybe you could be as holy as these seeming spiritual people. Didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we do a bunch of wonderful works in your name? But isn't that scary when the Lord says, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, I never knew you. I had no relationship with you. What is it that keeps you from having a relationship with God? It's really simple. It's a little tiny three word, three, three letter word called sin. Your sin separates you from God. And for God to say, I never knew you, it's because there's a sin separation and there's no, there's no relationship with God. So this is where it starts getting interesting because we have to be really careful with this because let me, let me talk about this. Are you saved by good doers, good works? 
Anybody? No. Good. I'm glad you're saying that. Uh, I always worry when a congregation is like, oh, no, no, that's a good question. Um, yeah, you're not saved by your works. The Bible says, Ephesians 2.8, you're saved by grace through faith, not of your works, lest any man should boast, not of yourselves, it says. But at the same time, it seems that Jesus is saying, man, you gotta do what the word says or else I'll say, depart from me, you work of iniquity, I never knew you. So how do you work that out? Does is, is that, is that work out? It does. You see, the, the word says this. This is one of the most important doer things you need to do. Um, and that is you need to be saved. You need to be forgiven for your sins. Salvation, Jesus taught, called it being born again. You and I were born into death. We need to be reborn as a new life in Christ. That is to be forgiven of your sins. So the, the main thing that we have to be doers of when it comes to the word, and what's even more ironic is he's the one who did all the work. He did the work. What's required of you is to have faith and believe and accept. Um, what does it mean to become a Christian or a believer? Do you do any big hard work? No, Jesus did the work on the cross. Not only did he do the work, but he proved that he was capable of doing the work. When he died on the cross, was buried, three days later he rose from the grave. Jesus did the work on the cross. You and I did, don't have to earn our salvation. We, we can't deserve our salvation but it's there, but you must be born again. You need to accept Christ. Now, from time to time, I get these people saying, Brett, you can't just say a prayer and be a Christian. Um, you gotta you know, have some time of walking with the Lord. Well, you know what the problem with that is? That becomes a works-based Christianity. You know, and it doesn't really fit the scripture. Are there people that just kind of got saved in a moment in the Bible? Oh, consider the thief on the cross. Here's a guy who one minute, he's mocking Jesus, the Messiah with the other thief, they're both mocking him. But something happens with this thief that's hanging next to Jesus where he realizes, no, he's, he's, he's who he claims to be. And suddenly he has faith that Jesus is who he was claiming to be. And he, and he said, remember me. And Jesus said to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. That guy got saved. That's an amazing thing. What did that guy ever do to deserve salvation? The answer is nothing. But he did the one thing he's supposed to do to believe and then he was saved. The other thief could have done the same thing, but he never did. So that thief went to hell while the other thief would be with Jesus in paradise that very same day. And it was nothing, he didn't earn it. Jesus didn't say, okay, you gotta get saved. Hold on, we gotta get off the cross here for a second and, and let's go get baptized and then we'll pop back up on the cross and then we'll die. That's not what Jesus had to do. He didn't have to make that happen. Um, the guy was saved by grace through faith, just like you and I are saved. But he did do the one thing of what the word says, you gotta repent and believe. Realize you're a sinner and accept Christ as your savior. Um, and it can be a moment. It can be like flipping a switch. It's not a, a season of doing good things or going to church a lot and giving money or any of that stuff. That's all totally lies. Um, those are good works, but that's not what saves you. So what Jesus is talking about here, being a doer of the word, is the main thing is you gotta believe on the one who the Lord has sent. And, and Romans 10, verse 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart the Lord Jesus that he died on the cross and that he rose from the grave, it says you will be saved. It is like a light switch. That's why oftentimes I like to invite people to accept Christ on a Sunday morning because that's what happens. Consider the Philippian jailer in the book of Acts. There they were, Paul and Silas in prison at nighttime in midnight 
and they've been beaten and bloodied, chained against the wall, but they're singing praises in prison. The earthquakes, the doors of the prison swing open, and all the prisoners are walking out, hey, we're free, <laughs> this is awesome. Well, the Philippian jailer, he was a Roman soldier. If a Roman soldier lost his prisoners, that would be a death penalty for a Roman soldier. In fact, history tells us the Romans had horrible, gruesome deaths for those who failed their duties. That's why the Roman, when he saw his prisoners had escaped, he got his sword out and was gonna stick himself through and kill himself. But Paul runs up and says, hey, don't hurt yourself. We're all here. We're not going anywhere. And the guy says, what must I do to be saved? And Paul just shares the gospel, it's Jesus. And the guy accepts Christ. And in that very same night, that guy and his family all got baptized and got saved. And it started a little church called the Church at Philippi, um, which later became the church, the letter written Philippians. Probably if you read it, you realize Paul loved that church about as much as any church of all the churches. He loved the Philippians. It was a great story. There was a moment where a guy just repented and said, okay, I believe, and he got saved um, because of faith. So this is where this, there's a line, if you would, the, the doing of the word. The, the first thing you must do is not to give to the poor. The first thing you must do is not be kind to your neighbor. The first thing you gotta do is repent of your sins. Otherwise, you can be kind to your neighbor and you can give to the poor and you can go to Athey Creek year after year but you're still, it's possible for you to stand before God someday and God say, you say, Lord, Lord, but I never knew you. You need to accept Christ and have your sins forgiven because as long as those sins are there, you are separated from God. Sin separates you from God. So this is what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 7, 21 um, through 29. That second section that I showed you was uh, 21 where Jesus was talking about, Lord, Lord, that old thing, 21 through 30, 23. But this whole Matthew 7 thing is basically saying the first thing you gotta do is be saved. Okay, Brett, but then where does, if, if I'm saved by grace and just simply believing and accepting Christ, then why, what's all the other doing stuff? Because you even said it, they heard the word, but they wouldn't do it. Well, once you've done that single act of faith and saying, I accept Christ and I'm, I'm, I'm re repenting of my sins and being saved by the grace of God, then James kind of fills in the blanks for us. People get this all confused. They take James' scripture when he says, faith, come, uh, you know, faith without works is dead. So some people say, well, if you're, if you're a Christian and you're not doing good works, then you're not really a Christian. Well, I, I think that's a, a mischaracterization uh, of what James is saying. James is not against Paul and saying, Paul says you're saved by grace, I say you're saved by works. That's not what's happening. Paul said you're saved by grace through faith. James is saying when you're saved by grace through faith, then your faith that you have, well, the proof that it's there and it's real is you'll have good works. Faith without works is dead in that um, it's not you're saved by your works, but faith will work in you to do what the word tells you to do. And so it becomes this issue of obedience and doing what the word says out of love for the Lord as a response to what he's done for you because he's been so forgiving and kind, then you and I, we wanna go to church and we wanna be kind to our neighbor. At least we, that, that the Lord starts to work that in you over time. That's the time part. That's not the saving part. Are you guys with me on that? That's important. People get that confused all the time. So when, it, when Jesus talks about the danger of you know, hearing the word but not doing it, the danger is that you never even are saved and you think you are. 
because you think you're a good person or you attended church or you prayed, you know, uh, when you're, you know, in a car crash, Lord, save me. And so, you know, but, but do you have a faith that Jesus died on the cross, rose from God? That's the, that's the biggest thing. So number one, the danger of doing, you know, reading the word, but not doing it. But there's also number two on our list of consideration on this, the deception. There's a, there's a nature of this discussion uh, that, that people need to understand that when you read the Bible, there's a deceptive nature of, of saying, you know what, I've read the Bible, so I must be doing the Bible. What do you mean? Well, can anybody tell me of all the scriptures in the Bible, where's probably the most famous scripture talking about, you know, um, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only? Anybody? <whistles> Nobody? James? Ding, ding, ding. Chapter Come on, you guys. Last service, there were two people who knew. Um, just saying. So those eight o'clockers, uh, no, I'm, I'm not laying a guilt trip on you. Oh, kind of, but it's gonna be that other way. It's, it's James chapter one, verses 22 through 25 is kind of the classic scripture that, that James just lays this out for us. He says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Check this out. Deceiving your own selves. You might wanna mark that in your Bible because that, that's, that's the, the problem with this issue. If you're actually saying, yeah, 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 I read the Bible, but you're not doing what the Bible says, there's a deceptive nature to this. You've deceived yourself. How does that work out? Well, I'm at church, aren't I, Brett? And I heard your long, tedious Bible study and, and we're going through this scripture. And so, so it's like, check the box. But the question is not, did you attend or hear? The question is, are you deceiving yourself thinking I've done it because I've been here and I took the notes and I read the scriptures and somehow we convince ourselves we've done it or that's, that's the problem, you see. And then he goes on and says, for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass or a mirror. Uh, for he you know, holdeth himself and goes and beholdeth and goes his way and straightway forgets what manner of man he was. If you could picture what he's saying there, he's saying, it's like a man goes, looks in the mirror and he looks and he sees he's got mustard on his mustache. He goes, wow, I should probably fix that. And then he walks away and forgets that he has mustard on his mustache. Like that's just Mr. Dumb right there. And that's what the Bible's saying. The, the person who does that, it's like the person who reads the Bible and says, man, I need to do some stuff in here. Hmm, oh, well, whatever. And you walk away and you don't do it. Same dude right there. He goes his way, straightway, forgets what manner of man he was, but whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty, the mirror, the word of God, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Now let me highlight that last phrase again because that's, that's what a great promise of the word. What happens to the person that does what the Bible says, the doer, not just the hearer, it says this man, or I would add woman, uh, will be blessed in his or her deed, the things you do. Does anybody wanna be blessed in the things you do? Man, I, I, I'd like to have that happen. <laughs> and the things that I'm working on, the things that I wanna achieve or accomplish. The, who's the person who's blessed in his deed? The doer of the word. By the way, we're about to get into the book of Daniel here in a few weeks. Oh, I can't wait. Daniel's truly one of my favorite books in the Bible. I've probably taught the book of Daniel more than any single book, maybe 10 times over. Because uh, I love the book of Daniel. I've had many opportunities, but it's rich in prophecy. But probably one of my favorite things is just Daniel himself. What a dude. 
Daniel's the guy who did from the, a young age, some of you young guys and girls in this room that are you know, 12, 13 years old, you know, Daniel was this total stud who just goes into Babylon and says, I'm gonna do what the Bible tells me to do. Even when it was gonna cost him his life, he wasn't afraid to do what the Bible said. And, and here's what happened to him. He, was, he found favor both with man and with God. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, what's the deal with this kid? He's amazing. In fact, he, this, this is what he said. Nebuchadnezzar says, this Daniel is far better than all the young men of Babylon, the Chaldeans, of all the wise men of Babylon. This, this guy is far greater. God blessed his deeds because he was a doer of the word. And, um, and he also had favor with God, the Bible said. Favor with man, favor with God. He was blessed out of his socks, if they had socks in Bible times. <laughs> um, so all that to say, um, this is the deception the deception is that we're doing what the Word of God is because we've taken the notes, listened to the podcast, uh, you know, did our morning devotions. We, we're doing what the Word says. That's we convince ourselves. But you're only deceiving yourselves if you're not doing what the Word says. So the danger is to not be a doer. It can be quite destructive. You don't want to be the house built on the sand and crumbling. The deception is that you think you're doing it because you've read it, but you're not really doing it. And that leads us to the third part of this. Sometimes it's just outright disobedience, where a person says, you know what, I've read the word, but you know what, I'm just not gonna do that. Um, one of the great problems of our day is, is just people saying, you know what, I don't really care what the Bible says. And, and we, we have this sort of thing where um, I, I don't wanna read the Bible because then I'll know what sin is and I don't, then I'll know what I am not supposed to do. So ignorance is bliss. And so a lot of people just don't even read the Bible because they're like, they don't wanna be held accountable uh, for it. But as it turns out, the Bible makes it clear. In fact, James, he's, he's probably the champion on this issue of doer of the word. He's got all kinds of scriptures in his little book there. But in James 4, 17, he says, therefore to him that knoweth to do good, to do good, but doeth it not, to him it is sin. <laughs> Now, I know what some of you are thinking about this verse. Some of you are saying, you know, well, then I just don't want to know what the word says. Then I won't be committing sin. Um, it's, it'd be like this, though. If you're driving down I-5 southbound and you realize, oh, you passed your exit. Um, so what do you do? Well, you hang a Yui and you go right there on the, the median of the, of the two, you know, northbound, southbound, and as you're you know, going through the gravel there between the, and you're waving to the state police officer that's sitting right there, and you, and you start heading on the other way. Well, um, guess what? But Brett, I didn't know. There was no sign that says no U-turn. Doesn't matter, you're supposed to read the organ drivers. Ask Tad Slaughter, I love this, he's not here today. He's, he's um, at his son's graduation. Uh, medical doctor, Joel Slaughter is now a medical doctor. For those of you guys know Tad Mar, that's amazing. But, um, uh, but what, this was a few years, like 35 years ago, but when we were youth pastors, Tad was with a, a busload of junior hires and he, and he missed his exit. So he just did a Yui on, the, on, the, on, on I-5. And a, a police officer was there and he got pulled over. It was hilarious. Uh, all the kids came, oh, mommy, oh, Pastor Tad, we got in trouble with the police. You know, and it was quite, quite a situation. But I don't know why I share that with you other than it just gives me joy. Um, <laughs> um, but, but if you do that and you say, but I didn't know, officer, I didn't know, it doesn't matter. You're supposed to know and you will be held accountable for the law and, and the, the state police will pull you over. Um, and he should. 
The, the point that I'm making is just because you may not know what the Bible says doesn't mean that you're still not held accountable for, what, for what's in it. Um, by the way, Proverbs 28, nine takes it even to the next level. What about the person who, you know, we're talking about the person who doesn't do what the Bible says, but he is hearing. What about the person who doesn't even wanna hear what the word says? Proverbs chapter 28, verse nine, puts this on that one. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, that's the word, another word for the law, um, word, even his prayer shall be an abomination. The person says, whatever, I'm not gonna read the Bible and I don't care what God's word is. Your prayer to the Lord is is an abomination. You know, uh, Matthew chapter 21, um, Jesus deals with this again. But he's talking at this time about these religious leaders. In fact, he's talking to the scribes, the Pharisees, the religious dudes. And listen to what Jesus says. I'll just read it to you in Matthew 21, 28. But Jesus said, what do you think about this? A certain man had two sons. And he came to his first son and said, son, go work today in my vineyard. And the son answered and said, I will not. Sound like some of your sons? Son, go clean your room. No. That's what's going on here. But as it turns out, Jesus goes on and says, but after he left, he repented and he went and worked in the vineyard. Well, then the second son came and the father said, son, you know, come and work in my vineyard today. And the second son answered and said, I go, yes, sir. But he didn't go. And then Jesus asked all the religious leaders at that right there, he says, which one of the two did the will of his father? And they said unto him, the first guy. And Jesus said unto them, now check this out, a serious bomb about to drop here. Jesus said, verily I say unto you that the publicans and the harlots will go to the kingdom of heaven before you do. Brett, what about the Democrats? (laughs) No, the publicans, not Republicans. That's a different thing. What's a publican? (laughs) A publican is the worst sinners of town. Like picture all the worst people that you can think of. That's the publicans and then the harlots. They're all listed there. And what does Jesus say? This is profound. Here's these religious pious guys sitting there all holy in their religious garb and they keeping their little laws and rules. And, and, and suddenly Jesus says, guess what? Guess who's gonna go to heaven quicker than you guys? The publicans and the harlots. Why? Well, the illustration is, is such that the one said, said, we're not gonna do this, but he actually ends up doing it and he's the right one because he actually did what, what the father told him to do. But the other son said, yeah, 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 got it, dad. Yes, sir, we'll do it. And they had the appearance of obedience, but they were not. And that's what was going on with the religious leaders of Jesus's time. And sad to say, that's what's going on with a lot of the religious leaders today and religious people. We've checked the box, man, I'm pious, I'm, I'm holy, I have the appearance of love and kindness. That was the problem with our text here in Ezekiel. In Ezekiel, the people had this appearance of loving what Ezekiel was saying. Oh, Ezekiel, bro, you're awesome, we love you. But they hated him and didn't do one thing he told them to do, and they were crushed. You see, that's the problem here, is we got this, this, uh, this, this idea of uh, an appearance of religion, but it's just plain old disobedience. And some of us get pretty good at faking people out and making people think that, um, that we're holy. Uh, what a goof, what a bummer that is. But this parable really applies today and the, and the church and the religious and what have you. Um, now, what I love about this part of Jesus' story is who goes to heaven first? The publicans and the harlots. 
Who, who are they? They're the, they're the worst of the worst. And the Lord says, guess what? They're going to heaven quicker than all those religious people. Why? Because they, they did that first thing we talked about at the beginning. They had the faith to believe in Jesus, the Messiah. So no matter how wretched and miserable sinners they were, the mercy of the Lord was bigger than that. And he said, those people are gonna go, go to heaven and be saved. Man, I love that. How is that possible? Paul the Apostle tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. That's how the publicans and sinners make it to heaven. But in the same way, back to our dangerous part of this or deceptive part of this, is these religious guys thought by their appearance of religion, and piety that they thought somehow they were gonna be saved, but they weren't. They're the ones who the Lord's saying, depart from me, thou wicked servant. I never knew you. Because they just had sort of a religion, but not a real forgiveness of sin and a, a salvation through Christ. See, and that brings us to sort of our final point and ending on such a good note, the deliverance, to keep our D's going, the danger we gotta watch out for the danger of, of not doing what the word says. The deception, you think you're doing it because you've just been to church or you read your Bible, but you're not doing it. The disobedience is just to go against what the word says. But the deliverance comes through Jesus. Jesus says the publicans and the harlots repented and they did what the Lord told them to do, thus they were saved. Man, I love that. Another story, again, um, you don't need to turn there, but I love this picture that Jesus paints. Um, and this would have freaked them out back in those days. It should freak us out today. But um, Luke chapter 18, listen to this. Jesus said in verse nine, um, Luke 18, nine, he says, um, Jesus spake this parable to certain people, which listen, trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they despised others. Ooh, what a description of these people. By the way, how many of you ladies went to the women's conference this weekend? Oh, Man, I got to kind of see the sneak peek of the, of the recordings, you know, the, of, of, you know, what Elisa shared. And it was powerful. If any of you ladies missed it, you really, really, really missed it. And it's really important today. She said things that uh, old um, white male privileged guy could never say um, here uh, <laughs> to women. Uh, it was great. A woman telling women stuff like, you know, uh, she said something like, like all, all these blog ladies and writers and authors, that these women that are teaching stuff that I would say, yeah, they're pretty much, and I would say it carefully, they're, watch out for their teaching. But she's, she called them pretty little lies, <laughs> pretty little liars, because it's true. There's so much false teaching coming from, from women that are teaching and, and women are just gobbling up this stuff that's just anti-biblical. And so Elisa Childers, she handled it very graciously, more than I would have. Um, but uh, but it, it, I think it was great, women hearing from a woman about what to watch out for. If you missed it, you, you'll definitely wanna check it out. I think it'll be on YouTube pretty soon if it's not already on our women, Athey Women channel. But um, powerful, powerful stuff. But one of the things that's the progressive Christianity lie out there is that you're enough. You know, and, and women, I'm enough, and, and it's, I'm gonna find strength in me. No, that's a lie, you're not enough. Neither am I. Jesus is enough. Jesus is the one that saves us. And, and oh, Brett, that's, it's, you don't understand what she means. No, we do understand. We've read the books, and it's just one of the lies. Um, see, that's what these people were being, you know, believing. He spake this parable to certain which trusted themselves, and, and they, they, were, they thought they were righteous. And I love how she kind of called out this weekend some of those 
false teachings that are out there. I hope, I hope our, our women are careful because I, I see that all over the place, progressive Christianity, but honestly, just truthfully, um, women are pushing that harder than men by far just around our, our, the world today. We have to be careful about that. Uh, it was a great, great thing this weekend. But Jesus says, watch out for this. And he says, here's the, here, here's the, story, the parable. He says, two men went up into the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee, that's the religious guy. And the other, a Republican. No, no, just, just a publican. And it says, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. That cracks me up. Is it, does it do any good to pray with yourself? No, you're not God. So praying to yourself or with yourself. But, but he had the appearance like he's praying to God, but he was really just talking to himself. And Jesus notes that. He says, he prayed with himself. He says, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners and unjust, adulterers, or even this publican over here. He says, I fast twice in the week. See, that makes him evil right there. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I fast, I fast twice in the week and I give tithes of all that I possess. But the publican, Jesus said, was standing over afar off and wouldn't even lift up his eyes as much to heaven, but smote himself upon his chest saying, oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And then Jesus said this, another bomb drop right here. Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalts himself shall be abased and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. Again, you've got this show of religion and piety and holiness. I'm glad I'm not like this sinner over here. But the Lord says he went home unjustified. But the guy was just, oh Lord, I'm a sinner. Have mercy upon me. That simple prayer of repentance and humility. And he smites himself because you can sense a frustration. This guy's just like, oh man, I'm such a loser, I'm a sinner. And he beats himself on his chest, says, oh, forgive me. And the Lord says, that guy went home justified. The word justification or justified, it's a great doctrinal term. What is justification? It's when you get your letters lined up on the edges of the page on, uh, on Microsoft Word. <laughs> but as it turns out, it's also making your sins just as if you'd never sinned at all. Justification just as if you'd never sinned. It's the things that the Bible says about when you confess your sins, the Lord wipes your sin away. It's like what we just read, you know, from Paul's word to the Corinthian church. He said, you know, old things are passed away. All things become new. I remember your sins no more. I blot out your sins, he says. That's what justification is. When a person's justified in Christ, there's no record of sin. That's why the publican and the harlot would stand at the gate of heaven and the Lord would say, enter in thou good and faithful. Yeah, but what about the fact that she was a prostitute? And what about the fact that they're publicans ripping people off and doing horrible things? The Lord says, I don't know what you're talking about. I remember their sins no more because they were saved by grace through faith because of Jesus dying on the cross for their sins. Meanwhile, the holy Joe Pharisee, I'm so glad I'm not like that person. He's unjustified and he's still in his sin. See, this is the problem with the person who has an appearance of holiness and righteousness, but not, not really doing what the Bible says. You've got to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Talk is easy. It's the doing that counts. Let's say you and I start a business together and we're successful. We have a nice building here in Portland and we're starting to really make some progress and make some money. So, so I say, listen, you're my you know, exec, executive assistant 
and I'd like you to stay here and keep the, the business up and running. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fly off with my family. We're gonna go to Europe and start a second part of our business. And, and, and we'll keep in touch and I'll send you letters, keep, you know, giving you instructions of what to do. And so you say, okay, I'll be in charge. Great. So I fly off and I start sending you letter, 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 and giving you info, information that helps keep things going. Years later, a couple, three, three years later, I come back and I, I'm ready to see kind of how things are going. And I, I drive up to our building and I'm shocked what I see. I see weeds growing up. The parking lot has weeds and junk in the trash in the parking lot. A couple of the windows are broken out of the building. And, and I'm, I'm like, whoa, what's going on? And I walk in and the front desk reception, she's got her feet up on the desk and she's filing her nails and chewing her gum. What do you want? She doesn't recognize me as the, the CEO. <laughs> um, but I'm like, uh, and I ask, you know, well, where, where are you at? And, and she, she, she says, I don't know, somewhere in the back. Good luck finding them. So, so I meander back and I'm like, wow, the place is a mess. Garbage cans are overflowing and um, there, there just doesn't seem to be any work getting done. And, and, and I, I finally get to the back and, and I, find, I find you back there and you're finishing a game of, game of chess with some of the, uh, you're out there just kind of playing some chess. And, and I'm like, let's go into my office and let's talk here. And I go into my office and you've turned my office into a TV viewing room, which you watch your teams watch soap operas in the afternoons there. And I, and I sit down and I say, wow, what happened? What do you mean? Well, this was a thriving business. It was working. And now, ah, we, you know, we're just, I, I stayed here and watched the place. Yeah, but didn't you get my letters? I wrote letters and I gave exact descriptions of what you should be focusing on. Yeah, we got the letters. Well, did you read them? Oh yeah, we read them. In fact, we even had um, letter groups. We, we broke up into small groups and we'd read your letters and we'd recite them and talk about them. And it was great, you know, and your letters, very, very poetic and beautiful actually. You're a good writer, Brett. Yeah, but, but did you do, well, well, no, actually some of our staff even memorized sections of your letters. They thought your letters were so great. They, they were, they, we walk around quoting your letters, uh, thus saith Brett. And I'd be like, wait a minute. It's not about the reading and the memorizing as much as about the doing. You needed to do what those letters said. And, and, and see, that's the problem. I worry that some of us are gonna stand before God and the Lord's gonna say, didn't you get my word? Hello, I wrote a really nice letter and it's got a lot of good stuff. And if you do what it says, guess what? What did the scripture say? You'll be successful in all your deeds. But I wonder how many of us go around quoting scripture and say, oh, well, thank the Lord for his word. But if we're not doers of the word and we're hearers only, oh. So you have to ask yourself, and I always like to remind you, forget about Bob, old Uncle Bob. Oh, I wish Bob were here. My Uncle Bob needs to hear this sermon. No, this is one of those forget about Bob sermons. And you gotta think about yourself and say, Lord, are there things in your word that I've read and I know that I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm only a hearer and I've not done what you've told me to do? Is it to be a, a given to prayer? Do you have time for prayer or do you just not pray at all? Is your prayer life pretty much non-existent? Even though you know the Bible says, pray without ceasing. You have not because you ask not. Or, or, or maybe the Lord put it on your heart 10 years ago to commit some daily time, just reading a few scriptures every morning when you get up out of bed just to read the word. But somewhere along the way, even though the Bible says, give attendance to the reading of scripture. Paul told young Timothy that, and it's for us too. But for whatever reason you've neglected and, and you said, well, that part of the letter, I've got it memorized, give attendance to the reading of scripture. But are, are we doing it? 
Or loving your neighbor. Oh, Brett, you don't know my neighbor. My neighbor's totally wacko. I think all neighbors are wacko. Uh, that's just the way it goes. But it says, love your neighbor. Uh, are you doing that or are you just a hearer on that? Like I could go on and on for hours and hours of things the Bible tells us to do. But guess what? That's what you have to kind of say, Lord, help me to see those areas that I've neglected, that I know what your word has told me to do, but I've been a, a good hearer, but maybe not so good of a doer. A little splash of cold water for Athey Creekers today. I know there's nothing new here, but it's something that we need to continually ask ourselves, Lord, help me not to become good at hearing the word, but not so good at doing. Help us to be doers of the word, and if we do that, You'll be successful in all your deeds, our scripture says. If you don't do good at that, you're just being deceived. That's what the Bible says. May the Lord give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say to the church today. In Jesus' name, let's pray. If you would, just with your heads bowed, uh, I'd like to first, before we pray, uh, ask if there's anyone who would like to accept Christ. I told you, it's a moment in your life where you choose to say, I repent of my sins, and I wanna believe in Christ to save me, the cross of Jesus. Because like I said, the doing of going to church is not what saves you. The first thing that you need to do of what the, all the things the Bible says, the first thing you need to do is be born again. You were born in sin and death. Jesus said you must be born again. You gotta be saved. Romans 10 verse nine and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart the Lord Jesus Christ, that God raised him up from the dead, you will be saved. The publican and the sinner, no matter how bad you've been, Guess what? Salvation is for even the worst of the worst. And, and, and going to church and being dutiful about all prayerful things, and that, that's just the natural outcome of being saved. But the first thing you have to do is be forgiven of your sins, saved and headed for heaven. That's what a Christian really is. It's not a, a good person or someone who goes to church or carries a Bible or gives to the United Way. That's not what a Christian is. A Christian is a person who says, I'm a sinner and I need to be saved, and so I'm gonna accept Christ to be the one to save me, because there's no other name under heaven by which men or women can be saved than that of Jesus Christ, and you believe that. That's what the Bible teaches. So you confess and believe. If that's you, and you wanna do that, I'd love to pray with you. I'm not gonna embarrass you. In fact, everybody else's heads are bowed, but if that's you, would you just quickly look up and give me a quick wave so I can acknowledge you if you're saying, Brett, that's me. I wanna accept Christ right now. And, and right where you're sitting, we'll just pray a prayer, you and the Lord, and uh, you can accept Jesus. Would you let me know if that's you right now? Go ahead and slip your hand up real quick and I'll, I'll just acknowledge you. Don't let me miss you. Let me look around just for a second. Awesome, awesome. I see you guys there. Awesome, good, good. Over here, good, neat. Yep, back there, gotcha. That's awesome. Anybody else? Let me just look around for a second more. Awesome, cool. I'm gonna pray this prayer of confession of faith and what a joy to be a part of this. I always feel blessed to be able to pray along with people and I invite the whole church to be a part of this. Let's, let's stand behind these five or six people right now and, and let's pray this with them out loud, the prayer of confession. If you raised your hand, if you're online watching us, man, I wanna tell you, uh, you can pray this prayer right with us. The Lord sees you, he sees your hand, if you would. And, and, uh, and if you pray this from your heart, through your mouth, Romans 10, verse nine and 10 says, you'll be saved. So let's do this, let's pray together out loud. Dear Father in heaven, I believe in your son, Jesus Christ. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. 
that he rose up from the grave and that my sins are forgiven. Help me to walk with you. Thank you for saving me. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Lord, I pray blessing upon these, your people who've just accepted you, Lord. I pray that you just show them your mercy and that burden of their own sins, Lord. I pray that they just sense that lifted off their shoulders. Uh, there's no more condemnation for those who are in Christ. So may they know they're forgiven. And Lord, I pray that, that your kindness that you've given to us that would lead us to repentance where we would just daily walk with you and serve you and be doers of your word. Lord, for the old timer Christians in this room, I pray that you'd restore unto us the joy of our salvation and that we'd once again look at your word and be doers of your word and not let the calluses of the years that have numbed us to doing your word. Lord, keep us from pharisaical thinking or religious thinking, but I pray that we'd have that personal relationship with you, walking with you, Lord. So bless these, your people. We pray you'd keep everybody cool this hot summer day and we pray blessing in Jesus' name.